Fire Warriors, and welcome to another episode of Chevron's, the podcast for the enlisted force. I'm Chief Master Sergeant Sean Sullivan. And I'm Airman Shavs of the 102nd Intelligence Wing. We have two uh, really great guests today. I'd like to uh, take the opportunity to introduce Master Sergeant Chris Smith. Hi, uh, I'm Master Sergeant Chris Smith, and I am a Kansas Guardsman, Intel guy by trade, so one-in-one um, imagery analyst. And uh, that was what I've done for basically from 2008 to 2021. In 2021, I got selected to be Chief Master Sergeant Williams, the International Guard Command Chief, uh, to be his travel executive. So um, in that capacity, I plan and organize all of our trips out to see different units, like when we came out to the 102nd and 104th, and just see what's going on within the enlisted force take all that information and bring it back to the national capital region and try to affect change. Uh, see where it is that we can take lessons learned, um, things that the field is needing and really take their voices. And Chief Williams wants to make sure that we're representing the most accurate uh, information that we possibly can from the field. Um, that was my primary position I was selected into. Uh, they, but on day one, I think everybody has multiple duties. So Chief Williams asked me if I knew what Selma was, which is a resounding no. And um, he very quickly explained to me that it was the Senior Enlisted Leadership Management Office and that um, I would be overseeing, you know, a lot of different force management and force development for the overall enlisted force for the Air National Guard. And um, so that's, I, I know we'll get into a lot more details as to what that role is and what it does, um, but those are the two biggest things. Uh, and I'm actually going to be transitioning back to Kansas here in the next couple of weeks. Um, as my replacements for both those positions have been uh, have been selected and moved into the area. But I'm glad to be here. Thank you. But we also have uh, Senior Master Sergeant Martina Kraus with us today. Sure. Thank you for having me, Chief. I appreciate it. My name is Senior Master Sergeant Martina Kraus, and I come from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, I've been in for nearly 20 years and most of my time was in Pennsylvania with the Pennsylvania Air National Guard. And my position before taking this was the um, senior enlisted leader for recruiting and retention for Pennsylvania. Um, this job, it's unique how I got into this position. So I was ready. I, I loved my job and um, it, it gave me great fulfillment, but it was time for me to change and grow. So I was looking at opportunities at the National Guard Bureau and my, um, my, my DAG heir at the time came to me, General Regan, and let me know that there was a state development opportunity available for an enlisted member. So I put in for it. More specifically, I wanted to work for the legislative liaison position. And I got a phone call from NGB that the senior leadership management office needed somebody to come in and help with the E9 senior enlisted development, um, which sounded right up my alley. So I have been here for um, over a year and primarily what I've been focusing on is the E9 bench, the senior enlisted bench is brand new to the National Guard. We serve both E9s in the Army National Guard and the Air National Guard. And our main purpose is to develop senior enlisted leaders to take the highest level of leadership positions. So I manage the E9 bench, and additionally, I um, manage the course curriculum for E9s, and more specifically, we're trying to grow that portfolio to have more joint courses for the Army and Air Guard. Outstanding. I'm going to uh, ask you both to get, uh, we, we had a good overview of both what your job taskings are, but 
What's the real differences between the Selmo and Slomo? How would you how, how do you articulate both of those? I I know Selmo, but Selmo and Selmo they yeah. sound almost the same. We uh, do a fantastic job with acronyms in the military. Yeah, we right? do. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, Sergeant Smith, do you want me to lead, or do you want to lead with that? Um, I can start. Uh, sure. if you don't mind. Um, so the biggest thing is that me and Sergeant Krauss have to talk all the time um, because uh, what we do just runs parallel to each other. Um, but the biggest line of demarcation that we have is that like she talked about the senior enlisted bench, um, specifically the E9 bench. Uh, if you look at the enlisted development portfolio that gets sent out from the ANGRCs, um, the International Guard Readiness Centers, um, Human Resources uh, Training Division, HRT, uh, that they send out every year, everything that's for like basically a group level SEL and below, um, all of that falls into my lane as the Air National Guard's Selmo office. Whereas if you're looking at specifically like command chiefs, a lot of the, some of the group SELs will qualify for these um, positions and courses, um, but from them and up. So your state, your wing um, command chiefs, the command senior enlisted leaders at the state level, um, all of that falls into the slow-mo lane um, at the National Guard Bureau level, where they're really looking at what those joint offices are. But like for me, it's it, it's a little bit more focused on just the air side, and it also reaches much farther down into your tech sergeant and master sergeant levels. Um, below that, like we really depend on the wings in the states to do that development. Um, but you know, uh, that's that's where we typically see the line. Um, do you have anything you want to add, Sergeant Cross? Sure. No, that was a great synopsis. I would say, too, I think that his office, Lomo, they only focus on the Air National Guard, where I'm focused on both the Army National Guard and Air National Guard. So that's a really good distinction. But also, when I look at his office, I really look at their office as talent development. They're really reaching down to those E1s through E5s and um, starting to develop them at a young age to see what their goals are and what they aspire to be. And I look at our office as more talent management, like we deal with E9s that are command chiefs, that are command senior enlisted leaders, that are command sergeant majors and ser sergeant majors. So they've already hit the top level of leadership positions. And now we manage the Title 10 program um, that report for a to a general officer or an SES and above. And those positions, we're looking for those leaders that already served maybe a one-star already and that are getting ready to serve at a two-star level, a three-star level. So they're serving in the highest level of leadership enlisted positions in the National Guard. Wow. I think that that totally makes it crystal clear for mm -hmm. any of our listeners to understand that with one office handling the talent development and then the other office handing, handling the talent management at the highest level of development. So I, I think that really clarifies it. And, and I, I've spoken to you both at length uh, over the last year, year and a half. We keep crossing paths everywhere we go. And I'm always hearing you both speak uh two of, of, of the most impressive senior NCOs I've had the opportunity to meet. And now that just put it down in a nutshell. Uh, talent development versus uh, versus um, uh, talent management. That, that, that puts it down in a nutshell. So thank you for that. 
Yeah, that was actually one of my questions that I was thinking of because as a young airman, um, how would you, how would you recommend that my peers and I really prepare ourselves? How how would you tell us that we need to manage our skills, the things we need to learn, and uh, so we can shoot shoot for the stars and hopefully serve in those high, higher ranking positions? So, looking at specifically like um, from the Selmo perspective, uh, the biggest thing that you can do, and this gets sent to your your command chiefs and um, joint staff leadership at the state level and at the wing level. Um, but that enlisted development portfolio, if you haven't seen it, you need to get with your uh, supervisor, your squadron SEL, your chiefs, and push that up to the command chiefs to get that down to you. Because inside of that portfolio, it has all of the different trainings that we look at at the national level when we're trying to make a decision on um, selecting somebody for different positions that are here um, within the National Capital Region or trying to go to some of the panel selected um, courses that exist. So like, for example, have you, uh, as a you know senior airman staff sergeant, have you done four lenses? As a tech sergeant, have you gotten your SEJ PME one done? As a mass sergeant, have you done your senior enlisted joint PME two? Um, have you, as a mass sergeant, have you tried to go to the senior NCO enhancement course or, you know, contemporary base issues? Uh, those are all things that you work through your force development office at the base level and your new unit training managers, or there's self-enrolled courses that you can do on your own via CBT. Um, but what that does is it shows that you have a commitment to your own development. And then when you're putting in for something at, like a panel selected option, like uh, the International NCO Leadership Development Seminar in LEAD. It's only for mass sergeants and senior mass sergeants. And that's something uh, that we only have typically seven seats for the entire Air National Guard. Wow. So out of the 35,000 mass sergeants, senior mass sergeants that we have across the Air National Guard, we're going to pick seven. So if you haven't done the things that are available to you now, then it's really hard for us to make a selection um, and trust that you're going to utilize the information at that really high level courses that are very selective and who is able to go or not able to go. So that's the biggest thing is look at what's on there and continuously develop yourself. It's also going to be a lot easier for you to develop and learn if you take small chunks at a time throughout the duration of your career, rather than waiting till you're a senior NCO and trying to jam all of this development into, you know, a three or four year period. So you, compete for that E9 bench. Um, it's just, you set yourself up now by doing a little bit so that you're not trying to cram for the test at the end, you know, here in another 15 years when you're competing for those positions. I think that's great to hear because for, for me personally, it's, um, you can kind of struggle with like, oh, how much professional development should I really look into? How much should I, you know, be training myself? If, if you really are a servant, someone who wants to serve your country and serve others like that. So it's good to hear that those uh, like Sergeant Smith that are in these positions that you, you want us to focus on ourselves. So then we have the tools that we're equipped to serve others. So thank you for sharing how we can really start doing that. Absolutely. I have kind of a, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. Uh, no, I think oftentimes you're absolutely right that we think it's selfish to 
put in for these developmental opportunities and take these courses because we're leaving the operation. And, and we all know it's a high operational tempo out in the field, right? Yeah. And even here at the Garbier, it certainly is. It's a different tempo, but we're under a high operational tempo. And we think it's selfish to step away from our airmen or our soldiers. And But honestly, I think it's very... Um, I think it's very unselfish. It is very hard to apply for these positions and put a package together. It's incredibly difficult to leave your family and your civilian jobs and your soldiers and airmen in your job because it's stress, right? Because when you get back, you have to catch up on everything. So I think we need to change that thinking. And I think Sergeant Smith uh, did an awesome job really highlighting the importance of these development opportunities. But I will, I do want to add this. I think development opportunities are, are certainly important, but I think every day in the National Guard is a job interview, right? Every day, every day we're mm. serving. Um, and, and I think it's important that we, we, we push ourselves and grow ourselves to a greater level of responsibility and increase our levels of leadership and mentorship and management and supervision of subordinates and also seek additional duties. Those things are equally as important. When we're looking at these packages, we're really looking at people's job performance. We're looking at their, their EPRs. We're looking at their um, RIPs and their ERBs. We're looking at their education history. It's important. It is important to continue to expand yourself on an educational level too, outside of development opportunities. Um, and, and even more, we're looking at potential because we want to make sure that we're, when we're looking at your paperwork, um, because really that's all it is, is a board process initially, um, we're looking at your potential and to see that every day you're seeking greater levels of responsibility to reach your full potential. So I think there's a lot more to it than those developmental opportunities, but those are equally as important. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, I have a question for both of you, two totally different questions. First, uh, for you, uh, Mass Sergeant Smith, um, where can our young enlisted leaders start to go? Uh, what SharePoint site might be out there where they can kind of see what opportunities are out there, maybe see a map, possibly an enlisted scorecard? Uh, where can they go uh, early on to find those resources? Um. A lot of that we are sending from the Office of Command Chief, Mass Sergeant. Um, we're sending it directly to the Command Chiefs at the state level uh, for where a lot of those opportunities exist. When it comes to different positions that would help you develop, um, a lot of that you can find through uh, the Readiness Center SharePoint um, for all the MBA. Uh, sorry, MBA. I can't remember what that acronym stands for because, again, Air Force is awesome, Adam. Um, but your statutory tours and the um, active duty operational support ADOS tours that exist because, um, you know, and like um, Sergeant Krause was just saying a second ago, uh, you're interviewing every day. And I know that I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I do have, whether it be some of the courses I've been lucky enough to be able to go to um, or to be able to get into the position that I'm currently in if I hadn't been given opportunities early in my career and then executed at a level that it, it created trust with my leaders back in Kansas. So from the time, you know, I worked with my, my current squadron commander, um, he was a tech sergeant when I first met him. So being on crew with him, to then him growing from a lieutenant to a major and now a commander, um, and then me from a senior airman to today, he saw the quality of work that I put out. So he was willing to reach out to 
people on my behalf for like a position like this. And same with, you know, my current tag, you know, he was our wing commander for a while um, back home. And, you know, he saw me give several briefs as an Intel guy and the way that I relayed information um, and it created a level of trust with him to where he was again, able to like willing to reach out on my behalf um, for, uh, for again, for this position and different courses. Um, but biggest thing you can go to course wise is going to be that enlisted development portfolio. Um, and then the SharePoint for different positions. And we have a SharePoint for the OCCM, um, which also will connect you. It has everything from the Selmo office to information on the enlisted field advisory council to information on the different courses that get ran from our office, like the command chief mass sergeant training course for the ANG. Um, the Chief Master Sergeant Orientation course and that Senior NCO Enhancement course all has different levels of information on there. Well, I've definitely written that down. And Sergeant Krause, what is the uh, biggest developmental gap that you're seeing with the applications coming in on the Air Guard side? And what are you seeing that's lacking uh, the most common things that are missing in applications, which is causing uh, our, our uh, uh, senior enlisted and our chiefs to uh, miss out on opportunities that they can easily correct? That is a really good question, Chief. No softball questions coming from you. Um, trying, so the first question, you want to know what the biggest gap is. So with all of the packages that we got, what was the biggest gap from the person that scored the highest on the OML to the person that scored the lowest? Affirmative. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to give you specific trademarks, if that's okay. So the people that I noticed that scored the highest on the bench and the OML, I would suggest they had, like I said, sustained superior performance. They were always performing so well every day, day in, day out. And they also weren't afraid to move around to different positions to get that greater level of responsibility. Uh, multiple deployments, um, some of the highest level of the developmental opportunity courses from even a young soldier or airman, because we look at different, they have different courses, of course, but Keystone being one, a lot of them had Keystone. Um, a lot of them had multiple awards for uh, Merit Tour Service, Bronze Star Medals, Legion of Merits. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. That was a really good question. They sustained excellence in their physical fitness. They were just superstars all around, like every single thing, their, their evaluations were consistently excellent. Their PT was consistently excellent. Um, they were consistently always achieving greater level of responsibility. They were consistently growing with their education, taking courses all the time. Um, they were consistently applying for courses. And I say that because, you know, Sergeant Smith made a really good point. There's all of these airmen applying for these positions and there's only a handful of airmen that get selected. So I certainly don't want airmen to get discouraged if they don't want to, if they don't get selected because they can still make it on the bench. They can still make their aspirations. Um, they just got to perform well in other areas, right? Um, so, so be consistent in other areas. Um, so I would say the people that were at the bottom of the bench, they were just, they didn't have those positions yet. They were still in chief positions at the wing level, or they were sergeant, um, sergeant majors at the lower battalion level. 
they didn't have, um, a lot of them didn't have a four-year education, but they were, you could tell that they were striving for it. They had an associate's degree or two years. Um, they didn't have, a lot of them didn't have a deployment or they had minimal deployment time. Um, and they had lower level of decorations and they didn't move around a lot. They kind of stayed in the same job and didn't take on that greater level of responsibility. And I'm not suggesting you need to move and uproot your entire family for a greater level of responsibility. A greater level of responsibility, oftentimes you volunteer more or you get involved in your local association and maybe take a council role. So there's other ways to do that to get to grow your package in your portfolio. So that's the first part of the question. The second part of the question is, what are we lacking as a whole as a National Guard to get to billets? Is that correct? Uh, it was actually um, what is missing in packages that you are not even considering. What is the what are the more common errors? So when you have, when a command chief or a a um, uh, a G nine is applying for one of these positions and he sends his package forward. What are they doing wrong that's getting the package kicked back before it's even considered? Well, we consider every single package, right? So oh, um, this year, the good news story is we had double the applicants this year from last year. And then we have a panel that's randomly selected that comes in and it's a really good mixture of air senior enlisted leaders and army senior enlisted leaders. And they score the package and they create an OML and they stratify every single package. So every single package is considered. And then there's a cut line, of course. And then we strategically place people at the top, the middle and the bottom. And then, of course, there's people that get cut. And the people that get cut is kind of, I guess, that gap that I talked about, the people at the top of the OML and then the bottom. A lot of the people that got cut might have held those trademarks but their package wasn't strong enough. And I would say reading and reading hundreds of package over and over again, I would say the packages that got cut, a lot of them, they didn't put the time into the package. You know that you are the author of your own package and every single piece of paper matters. And I say that with just making sure your RIP is up to date and making sure you fill out the first page correctly. And there's a letter of intent and make sure, I guess for me, when I'm really looking at those letters of intent, you can tell the people that took the time to put their letter of intent together in a way that addresses how their experience will illustrates and demonstrates the Air Force core values and how their experience is gonna benefit the mission, and those were the strong packages. Um, the ones that got cut, I think they just kind of hurried and hurried through that part and signed it, right? And even their um, the tag, the adjutant general, and for people on Title Ten, the deputy director had to write them an endorsement letter. And oftentimes, I think people forget that these generals are incredibly busy, and we need to take the time to craft the letter for them. And Often people don't do that. So what's the generals going to do? The generals have a million and one priorities on their plate. So they're just going to do a standard template and not really market who you are as an airman. So I would say airmen, market yourselves. Like this is the time to brag about yourself. And if you can't, and I get that because oftentimes it's difficult for me 
find a senior leader or a mentor that will tell you all of your strong suits and help you write that letter. So I would say, Chief, that's a good question. It's really just taking the time to make sure that package is top notch. Sorry, I could attest to that. Oh, go Sorry, ahead. I was going to see expand on two things real quick. Um, can you explain what the OML is and then also who makes up the panel for the bench process? Like who actually sits on that panel? Sure. So, um, so an OML is an order of merit listing. So what that means is everybody, there's an order of merit listing. So we have a really good process in place where packages are scored and then they're automatically, once they're scored, it automatically puts people, if there's 10 people that applied, they're going to be stratified one through 10 based on their scoring. And it's out of a hundred points how the panel is selected. So I'm gonna to try to explain this in a way that everybody will understand. Um, so there is a command senior enlisted leadership advisory panel. And that is made up of SEA Whitehead, of Chief Williams, his counterpart, who is now Command Sergeant um, Major Reigns, and Chief Hofsis, and she's on the joint staff. They will go together and they'll pick, they can pick up to five people to sit on, it's called the Senior Enlisted Board Review Panel. And those are the people that score the packages. So they select usually three Army and two Air, um, and they are not allowed to be a part of the bench, on the bench, applied for the bench. We try to make sure they're completely separate. And we want them, we only have one Title 10 and the rest are from the field, Title 32, because we want that field experience. Once they select them, we send it to the Joint Leadership Advisory Board, which is um, officers, and they screen those people really heavily. Um, and then once they screen them and they get the thumbs up, it goes to General Hokanson, the Chief of the National Guard Bureau for approval. So when I say it is a stringent process where we make sure it's the highest level of ethics, it really is. And then they come together and we give them the scoring uh, criteria, which is uh, based on job performance, duty history, education history, and potential. Each category is worth 25 points for a total of 100. They score the packages, and we even go as far as to make sure there's no anomalies. So if we have those five people scoring, and um, I came out at uh, 90 on four of them, and one person scored me at 10, we're going to question that, right? Like, well, why? Was there something personal? Was there something we missed? So we really do a thorough job making sure that the, the process is very fair and very accurate. Well, there, there, there is a lot to that. Uh, and, and I'm glad that, uh, that the chiefs listening in uh, understand this process and they realize uh, how in-depth it is, particularly the importance um, of of your letter when you're trying to sell yourself. I, I have seen a lot that just come across as that cookie cutter, bare minimum. You know, they're not outlining what skills and competencies they possess that would put them in that next highest level. They're not selling themselves. And I, I think that does a big disservice uh, to, to uh, you know, to to them when they're putting their packages through. So thank you for uh, for sharing that. I, I have a um, question for, uh, for Master Smith. 
uh, over the last uh, probably six years that I've been applying for various opportunities that come down from your office, the one thing I have noticed, which is fantastic, is it used to be almost chief centric and maybe a senior master sergeant would get to go to something like the uh, you know reserve component uh, national security course or something like that. It has really, really branched and developed down now so that there is a lot of opportunity for master sergeants, a lot of opportunities for senior master sergeants. And, and, and I applaud that. I think that's great. Developmental Development has to start early. Is there anything else in the works where we're starting to look down to the tech sergeant level for any type of a developmental position that would come out of your office? Or is it still going to strictly stay at the, as the office says, senior enlisted for uh uh, master sergeants and above. So um, that's an awesome question. Uh, that's honestly, it's one of Chief Williams's biggest um, sticky points is he wants to push down as much development to the lowest level possible. Uh, you know, General Brown, he pushed out the accelerate change or lose. And one of the biggest things in there with our airmen is that we need to empower them. It's just, you can't empower somebody if you haven't educated them. So Chief Williams is trying to take as many courses as he can and push them down to the lowest level. That's why we created the Senior NCO Enhancement course uh, specifically for Master Sergeants and Chief, uh, Senior Master Sergeants, because once you finish Senior NCOA, there is no more PME for us on the enlisted side. So you're talking about a Master Sergeant potentially as young as like you know nine or 10 years in their career. If they never get to Chief, they're never going to go to another PME. So we created this course so that there's there's another opportunity for people to get broad and to get educated. Uh, when it comes to the enlisted development portfolio, uh, he has also identified four different courses. I don't remember all of them off the top of my head. I know one of them is the Gettysburg uh, Leadership Experience and then the Enterprise uh, Perspective Seminar. He has taken those from being a chief's only course to a senior mass sergeant course or from a command chief's course down to a chief's course so that it opens up people's aperture and they get introduced to topics earlier in their career. Um, his goal is to continue doing that every year uh, and we'll work very closely with HRT on which courses are going to get downgraded. Um, I guess downgrade is a bad way of putting it. I'd say upgraded so that we can have lower ranking people go uh, and attend and develop. Um, now it is really hard. So like I said, when you look at the numbers, we have 108,300 people in the Air National Guard. We're looking at, if you just look at chiefs, senior mass sergeants and master sergeants, you're looking at about 36,000 people. Um, from a capacity standpoint, um, this is an office of one and a maximum of two people. There's only so much bandwidth we have to really open up and find courses. So one of the things that we are trying to do is we've partnered with AMC. Um, they've been doing a course called Phoenix Stripe for a very long time. Uh, that is targeted at our uh, staff sergeants and tech sergeants within AMC. Uh, and then they also stood up one for senior NCOs called Phoenix Sword. So we're trying to make sure we open up those opportunities also to the entire um, the AMC portion of the Air National Guard, and then also trying to something that the person coming in to replace me that I'm going to challenge them with is partnering with other, some of those other MAGCOMs um, like ACC, um, Transcom, whatever it is, to see what development opportunities they have. Uh, because like flatly as an office, we don't have the capacity to develop a tech sergeant's course. So what we are trying to do beyond looking at those national level courses, MAGCOM level courses, uh, is we are trying to help connect uh, different 
wings and states across the 5490. Um, so the 54 states, territories, and um, you know the District of Columbia, and then the 90 wings we have within the International Guard. We're trying to put people in contact with each other so that they can develop their own um, tech sergeant courses, NCO courses, um, just like you guys in the Northeast have the tech sergeants involved in mentoring enlisted airmen, the time uh, workshops. Uh, it's something that I know that I talk about on most of the visits that we go to as a best practice and try to get them in contact with states like yours in New York um, and some of those New England courses or uh, states um, that already have a really robust system for developing their tech sergeants so that more states can really take the onus on themselves uh, to develop the, our um, new NCOs. And for the, uh, the, the um, I, and I'm gonna call it the superintendent's course. I know that that's not exactly what it is, but the new course that, uh, that Chief Williams put out last year, um, uh, I, I understand that you filled the capacity almost on day one for all four opportunities. Um, is that something that uh, Chief Williams has looked at of possibly uh, sharing some of the curriculum for that to be pushed down uh, to the wings so that we could try to do uh, something similar uh, or is that just uh, that, that going to be that level of a course? We want to keep the senior into enhancement course at the readiness center because there is a huge benefit to having our senior NCOs come and see the readiness center and what all it, it can do. Um, get introduced to their functional manager, you know, talk to them face to face and uh, hear from them everything that the readiness center is able to provide because the readiness center is here to work for you. And we want our senior NCOs to understand that is um, as soon as possible. Uh, and something that Chief Williams always harks back to is uh, he didn't get to the readiness center until he was a, a chief going to um, the chief's executive course, now the chief mass sergeant orientation course. And that was an extremely eye-opening experience just to see like, here's everything from A1 to A10 and everything it is that they're able to do at this level. So we wanna give our in senior NCOs that same experience. And our goal is to not just get them to the readiness center, but to get them to the Pentagon ideally and get them a tour so they can see it, they can touch it, um, they can feel everything that's going on inside the Pentagon. Um, so we really wanna keep that experience at the national level. Um, and that's where, you know, um, what we've done is we've added a fifth course. Most years we're going to try to have five courses. And we're also looking at trying to have the capacity be around 50 senior NCOs. Um, we've just been limited due to COVID. Uh, we've only been able to have 25 people in the room. Um, but our goal is to get to where we have 50 to 55 um, senior NCOs in each one of those courses. So that hopefully instead of getting like 150 people through in a year, we're able to get 250, maybe 300 um, and just increase the capacity. That's a much better number. Yeah, there's just so much value in it. And, and when you look at the numbers that, that's excellent that uh, those numbers are going up because when you just look at the number of senior enlisted leaders that are interested in getting into that course and the numbers, it, it, it just, it was just very difficult to meet the demand. So uh, that's a great opportunity. Awesome. I think it definitely is. And Sergeant Krause, I actually want to bounce back to a few things you said earlier because uh, there, there's, there's a lot there, and, and I, have a, I have a few questions because, um, well, one, I have a statement first. I thought it was really cool that you referenced 
the importance of attention to detail at such a high level. That's something that we're taught at basic training, you know, just the way you roll your shirts and roll your socks and cut threads off. And now when you're applying to senior enlisted positions, you need to make sure that your cover sheet looks right, that all the all, all your boxes are ticked, that you answered the questions the way that's looked for. Because uh, I truly believe attention to detail is important, but I completely appreciate the consistency that the Air Force is showing there from the bottom to the top. So I, I thought that was really cool. So thank you for enlightening me there. Sure. You know, it's interesting because looking at, I've never been on the other side as far as reviewing so many packages. I never had a job like this, but I will tell you, first impressions on packages are equally as, as important as in person. As soon as Absolutely. you open that first page and it's sloppy, you're kind of like, hmm. And, and it gives you that first impression, right? So you're so right. We do learn that at such a young age in the military and, and, and we need to be consistent with that because it holds true for everything we do. Yeah, you know, you want to give people the opportunity to prove themselves, but it's also, it's the consistency. It's, it's if you can't have attention to detail in a simple package, how do we know that, that we're going to have the attention to detail in the actual job uh, that we may be appointed to? So I, I think it's important. It's fair, but uh, we need to be level across the board. Now, I wanted, you were talking about ops tempo and how we want to afford people the opportunity. How would you, how would you recommend that people who are in positions, which I think is across the entire Air Force, in a fast ops tempo, it's very high, how, how can we get them to try and make the time? How, how can we encourage everyone in the Air Force to realize, yes, we have to devote time to enlisted force development and improving ourselves when we are so just covered in in operations? We really are. That's a really good question. And I think it's difficult. I don't ever think there's like a work-life balance, right? I think that it's a farce. <laughs> I think that there's often times you just you know when your family needs more of your time, and then you know when the military and the operation needs more of your time, right? Like you just kind of you figure it out as you go. But I would say day to day, it's incredibly hard and to carve out that time. And if you're anything like me, which I think most of the people in the military are very type A, it's hard to ask for help or give your responsibilities off to somebody else. One, you feel like a burden, you feel bad. And two, you kind of have that, well, I know how to do it and I do it right and that's my name. All of those things play into it. Um, but I what I would say to people is, I think that planning and organizing is incredibly important. And I think that people need to not put so much on their plate. Like I think setting small goals, especially for young airmen, it's okay if you're doing the straddle approach and you're working full-time and going to college full-time at night or even going part-time at night or even taking one class at a time. I think it's a game of inches. And when we put so much on our plates that we have um, family priorities, work priorities, uh, we're enrolling in all these courses, we're going to, full to, we're going to school full-time at night, it just doesn't work. Um, we're tired, we're drained, yeah. we're not learning, we're not serving well, we're not serving ourselves well. So what I would say is like, sometimes it's good just to kind of clear your plate, look at what you have coming up in the upcoming year and do baby steps and roll in one course a year. 
that's always my goal. Like one course a year, I don't need to attend 10 courses a year. One course a year is good. And taking one college class at a time, that's good. I think that we have just completely shifted into this society where we need to be doing it all. And it's not healthy. It's not. It's not healthy for individuals, airmen, and it's not healthy for our teams or our families. Like there's nothing healthy about it. So, and, and I would also say rely on your team. Like I am more than happy to pick up the the responsibilities for my teammates or people that work under me when they're going to senior NCO or taking a course and ask for help. Just be a planner though, have a good transition plan immediately. Hey, I'm gonna apply for this course. Would you be able to cover down for me for the next six weeks and go and enjoy the course? Yeah. And then come back and get back to work. And, and they'll, they'll gladly, you should gladly do the same for them. And um, it's a good trade-off and it's good teamwork. So it's good all around. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that's uh, it's, it's nice to be reassured with those, you know, old timeless truths, you know, slow and steady wins the race tortoise versus the yes. hare. Don't overburden yourself. Don't be prideful and, and run faster than your feet can take you. Do what you can lean on your friends and your teammates and your air force and your country and, and move forward as one unit. So that, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. But I'm sure you. you have some good wisdom on how to balance it, right? Oh, it, 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 uh, it it's a constant, uh, constant surge one direction to another. Uh, I am going to quote one of my all time uh, favorite commanders. Those in the 102nd will recognize this term. You must maintain semper, Gumby, Semper Gumby, always flexible. Always uh, flexible. I did have one final question for you both. Uh, being at at uh, being at the readiness center, it's it, it's a developmental opportunity, yes. But I was just wondering how has it enhanced both of your careers? And I know uh, Sergeant Smith, you're getting ready to step out. Um, I'd be interested to know uh, where you're stepping from there, um, how how this position developed you and where you, you know how it has uh, set you up for your your next assignment. And uh, Sarah Cross, I don't know how much longer you have left. I hope until I retire, because it's really great to talk to you and, and, and to uh, get your perspective on things and have you guide me through things. Uh, but uh, same question for you. Um, how has this enhanced your careers and what's next? Uh, so this position that I've been in has been super unique, even when you look at um, other positions up in NCR. Um, the biggest thing is I've been to 30 different wings over the last 13 months. Uh, so I've gotten to meet, you know, command chiefs like yourself um, all over the United States. I've been to all three of the territories um, and just one, a comfortability I see that all of us, every wing is trying to solve the same problems. Like there's something that's kind of comforting about that fact. It's, you know, recruiting and retention is a struggle for everybody. Dealing with this pandemic and the increase in telework has been difficult for everybody. Um, trying to, uh, you know, for uh, me as a senior NCO, as a mass sergeant, being stuck right in between our, you know, command chiefs generation like yourself and our youngest airmen, like um, Air Airman Shobbs, uh, trying to kind of play that middle ground of getting, you know, I'm 34, I'm twice the age of our newest recruits today, you know, I can't really speak on behalf of young people. Um, 
But what I can do is try to get like my generation and older to understand the 18 to 24 year olds, they're 18 to 24 year olds. We, we had no fear either. Like we would bounce jobs at that point in time too. We wanted to have the question answered why. Um, the difference being that when I joined, and I'm sure when you joined Chief, um, it was probably a lot more stringent. But if you asked why, it was because I said so, or just you know, showed up in color, get it done. And that's not an acceptable answer anymore. Um, technologically, our airmen have had the answer to every question in human existence in their hand. So now when they come to us and they ask a question like why, they expect there to be an answer. Um, so we owe it to them to, to answer that question. So um, I've been able to get a lot more comfortable with the idea that all of us are trying to solve the same problems differently. And we have to find what works for us within our offices, within our wings, within our squadrons, um, or just interpersonally. We got to figure out what works for us in our personality. Um, so that's been something that's been very reassuring to me. Um, as a leader and as a follower. Um, the thing that I've learned the most is strategic IQ, strategic vision, um, being able to see the entire enterprise at once, seeing all of those wings, um, being in a fly on the wall for some of the meetings that Chief Williams has, uh, whether it be with the various directorates, um, you know, recruiting retention A1, um, or just talking to command chiefs, you know, like yourself when we're on these visits and just being able to see and watch and learn um, you know, the types of questions that Chief Williams is asking, uh, the types of answers he's providing, um, looking at this, not from, a, you know, how is it affecting this wing, but how is it affecting the entire enterprise? Uh, just seeing and hearing and understanding that is something that's going to pay dividends um, throughout the duration of my career, because this is an experience that most mass sergeants don't get. Um, and the same thing looking at, you know, specifically within Selmo, um, I see all of the exceptions to policy that come through. If we're going to hire a senior mass sergeant into a group SEL position, that requires a waiver to get approved by Chief Williams. So what questions is he asking? How does that affect force management? Is that person's, you know, if it's an AGR position, is that person's staff is going to keep them in that position for longer than six years? Um, you know, all of those types of things is things I've been able to see in here. And I think that anybody that comes to work at the readiness center, no matter what, um, position it's in, you develop a level of strategic IQ that um, is hard to gain um, at the unit level because uh, they're having to look at an entire enterprise or an entire career field, an entire AFSC. So not necessarily what works best for, you know, the 184th wing in Kansas, but what works for all ISR across the Air National Guard. Um, so like all of us, I think that that's a thing that we learn. Now, there is a flip side to it because all of this comes at a cost. And one of those costs is if we don't rotate back in the field often enough, or we stay out of a wing for too long, it is very easy to forget what it means to be a drill status guardsman, to be um, a direct member within the community. Uh, and mm -hmm. what it, what it really is to be the person turning the wrench or sitting there on mission um, you know, as an Intel guy sitting there on mission for 12 hours at a time or working night shift on Christmas. And, you know, um, a lot of that stuff is something that's very easy to lose. So people that are here have to be very intentional about um, a keeping that mentality or B trying to rotate back into a position at a wing or a squadron um, so that they can kind of get 
re-familiarized with what the day-to-day feels like as uh, as our guardsmen, because, you know, there's only about 800 people or so that work in the National Capital Region. We only got 12 or 1,300 that are on, you know, some type of statutory or ADOS tour um, across the International Guard, and we're supposed to be representing the other 107,000 people. Um, so we got to, we have to be very intentional and our leaders have to be very intentional at making sure we keep that mentality. So I think the benefits far outweigh the drawbacks and everyone I've met up here, um, does their best possible job at keeping that mentality and taking care of the field in the best possible way. Um, but that's kind of the downside I've seen to coming up here. Positive side is that that strategic vision, that strategic IQ and just understanding an enterprise level, um, you know, viewpoint on, you know, where we're going to push things going forward. Thank you. Great perspective. Absolutely. Same question. That is, was a really great answer. Um, so I would <laughs> I say for me, um, as a person, and I think this is important for all airmen that we need to challenge ourselves. I think when you are more likely to open yourself up to new opportunities, new jobs, new experiences that will enrich your life. It will enrich your career and it will grow your character. So that certainly has been the case with me taking this developmental opportunity. Um, I think what I am learning the most is, and I'm, I'm so thankful for this experience because I'm working for the top level of the enlisted leaders and to watch how they're effectively leading in today's high complex and dynamic strategic environment has been priceless. Um, I started this position right as COVID was happening. So I guess for me, that is, that is mentorship, just watching them and their decision-making and their thought process and um, how they're deliberately attacking all of the situations we're up against and how they are deliberately developing the Army National Guard and then the Air National Guard's E9 and knowing that it's a critical requirement um, and just their, the amount of thought they put into their decisions and ensuring we place the right person in the right positions. I guess for me, I've always had blind faith in leadership. I think we should as air, good airmen, no matter what, you always have blind faith, right? Um, but I guess being here at this level, it's refreshing because I don't need blind faith. I think that we are in such great hands. And um, I, I just want to reassure the, reassure the airmen of that because I think oftentimes out in the field, let's be honest, we get really upset with NGB, right? Like, what type of decisions are they making? And how did they come to this conclusion? I was one of them. Um, so now being in the seat and seeing the, the way things operate, it's refreshing to know that everything is done with the best of intentions and the most sophisticated thinking to reach that decision. Um, and kind of like Sergeant Smith had alluded to, I guess it's really important as airmen that we get that tactical experience, we get that operational competence, and then now I'm at the strategic level, and 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 now I have the honor and the privilege to take the strategic vision, because remember when I started here, the E9 bench was kind of just 
getting up and running a little bit. So to really take, listen to the leaders and what their strategic vision is and to be able to create policy and procedures and products that serve the airmen and soldiers, it's the best job I've ever had as far as fulfillment goes. Um, and, and, and it's the field too. I get probably about 10 to 20 calls a week from soldiers and airmen out in the field sharing their perspective of with me and what um, th- it's value added. They're giving me feedback of how we can better processes and procedures and recreate things. And the great news is I keep a notebook and I take that to the CLAP monthly who make the decisions and they're so open to feedback and they really want things to be the best they possibly can be. So all of that feedback, if we can incorporate it, we do. Um, so right now I just, I think the mentorship and the perspective I'm getting and the different way of thinking of things and that strategic vision has been the best part about this job as far as my future. I've always just stayed open to possibilities. I think that's the best way to be. I, I think it's always good to treat every day like a job interview. And I think if you work incredibly hard and you do the right thing, that opportunities will come to you. And then you make the decision of where you're best suited for and that where you can serve the best. Wisdom. Wisdom. That's what I call that. Well, thank you. <laughs> did you have any final questions? I don't really have any final questions. I think definitely I have a lot more to learn here, but something that I can share with my peers when I go back is how, how our leaders are not only leading this way, but looking for leaders who lead this way that are willing to get their hands dirty, are willing to hear input and to be flexible. Something my father always told me as a kid is to be like a bridge Joey. He said, be like a bridge. A bridge has expansion joints. It bends, it gives, so it doesn't snap. The fact that our leaders are looking for leaders who are flexible, who are willing to hear and not be rigid is, is the most encouraging thing I can hear. So I have, I have nothing left to question except to say thank you for, for being the way that you both are. And before I say my final thank yous, I just wanted to put one thing out to our listeners. Uh, this is going to pertain to our Massachusetts uh, Air National Guard enlisted leaders. Uh, we talked a lot today about the two offices that begin dealing with the senior enlisted. And those in Massachusetts and, and in the surrounding areas, DFAC Region 1, realize that we've had a time conference as one of our capstone events as part of our state enlisted development plan for a very long period of time. Uh, we now have five proposed capstone events that we are going to be doing in this state that is going to target various levels of enlisted development at the state level. And one of the ones I want to talk about before we close is called FIRST, which stands for Forging Inter-Service Relationships and Strengthening Teams. This is going to be an event we're going to be holding in September. It is for senior airmen and for staff sergeants. It is going to be a joint opportunity along the same uh, pathway as time or one of our enlisted development rides that we're doing. It's not going to be a five-day event. It's going to be much shorter, uh, but it is going to be talking about joint perspectives. Uh, There's going to be um, uh, an equal number of soldiers and airmen. So this is a truly the first opportunity for our young leaders to be involved in a joint environment, to hear directly from the tag, 
to hear directly from the SEL, the state, the state CSEL, uh, myself and for others, uh, guest speakers. And uh, basically, uh, it's going to uh, end with a great tour of all of our historical areas that we have in Massachusetts, Lexington, Concord, uh, with, with a great history lesson by one of our retired generals who is a state historian. So I wanted to put that out there for our listeners because we're going to have senior airmen and staff sergeants and, and A1Cs that are like, oh, this is all great, but, you know, it, it, it's, a long, it's a long road between here and when I can do one of those events. We understand that in this state, uh, I will be uh, discussing in further episodes what our other capstones of, uh, capstone events are going to be. But I just wanted to let our senior airmen and staff sergeants know this is coming. If you have any interest in it at all, start bugging your command chiefs now and let them know that when the announcement comes out, they want to jump on. But I guarantee that this will be a fun and worthwhile and rewarding experience. And we are going to start at the lowest levels. And we have, uh, we have, we have more in the pathway, more, uh, more coming up. Uh, but I just wanted to put that one out there so that our youngest leaders will realize that we have something in the pike for them as well. Uh, with that said, I want to thank Master Sergeant Smith and Senior Master Sergeant Kraus again for joining us. Uh, it really has been an honor and a pleasure. Um, you know, Sergeant Smith, we, we've now known each other for got to be over a year now. Uh, Sergeant Kraus, uh, you and I probably six months or more. Uh, the development I have seen in both of you as leaders, as NCOs, as understanding the strategic perspective, just, just the development overall since you have been in your office is just astounding. Um, Sergeant Smith, I'm going to miss uh, querying you on a somewhat regular basis because you've been my go-to, uh, you and uh, your counterpart, um, S.R. Ingram. Hopefully I can still have contact with her, but make sure that uh, you're incoming. You let them know you're going to have this, uh, this Chief Sully contacting you all the time with all kinds of questions and, uh, you know, that uh, I don't bite. Uh, so, Kraus, uh, I, I've just noticed your development, too, from the first time you took the office over and the first time I heard you speak and you were just trying to get your feet wet. And it was just kind of like it almost seemed like you you were like a duck on the pond. You tried to maintain that cool exterior, but your little feet were going 100 miles an hour on the inside. When I hear you speak now, you have got this down. Uh, just the development has just been outstanding. Um, and I, I know the two of you are just, this is just a stepping point in two great careers. So thank you for joining us. Yes, and thank you Chief Sullivan. I have to tell you, uh, I could interact with a lot of the senior enlisted leaders, Army and Air, and I think you are just an incredible person. And I think you are just an amazing leader. I think it's so, um, I, I think your airmen are incredibly lucky to have you, that you, inspire them and you educate them on all of these phenomenal opportunities out there. Uh, because oftentimes as airmen, I remember being a young airman and not knowing half these opportunities exist. So the fact that you're taking advantage of every single communication platform to educate them on all of these amazing opportunities that they can take advantage of, 
kudos to you, sir. And thank you for being so inclusive of me. I do remember when I first took over this program being incredibly overwhelmed, not knowing what was going on. And I just remember how soothing your words were to me. And I remember when I finally, I had sea legs. And then when I finally wasn't wobbling anymore, you just, I remember exactly what you said to me. You came up to me and you pulled me aside and you're like, I know this has been a lot, but you make it look so easy. Just keep going. So um, you're just a special person. And I, I'm sure your airmen feel your warmth and inspiration on a daily basis. And they're so lucky to have you. I'm lucky to have them. They are my inspiration. Chief, I'd like to say thank you too. Um, it has been great getting to know you over the next, over the last year. Um, I know it's been uh, really rewarding. I've appreciated all the conversations you and I have had uh, and the mentorship you provided me um, just from the, the interactions that we've had. Um, so thank you. And uh, my email is not changing. So if you ever want to bounce ideas off of me, or uh, I would definitely love to continue reaching out to you for a different mentorship in the future. So um, don't be surprised if you get an email or phone call from a Kansas number rather than just from the DC number. But uh, it's definitely been appreciated. It's been fun. I prefer calls over emails anyway. It's more personal. Me too. And Airman Shops, thank you for joining me today. Um, uh, I, I jokingly said to uh, at the beginning uh, for, for Senior Sarah Krause and for um, SR and Smith, for you to understand, when I say that uh, Airman Shops is the only guest we ever had to get fan mail, he honest and truly was. Uh, he is an inspiration to his fellow airmen. Uh, he is already a great leader a uh, huge asset to the 102nd and to the Air National Guard. And uh, thank you for joining me. Um, yes. I, I don't you know what's going to so happen. Articulate. You should be a journalist. I mean, he is great at this. And there's openings in PA. Hint, hint. <laughs> yeah. Hint, hint. Thank you all. You're all amazing leaders. Um, that An amazing leader is an amazing lover. The way that you are sharing your words passionately, you can tell that you care. You love, you love your troops. You, I can tell that you all care. So it, thank you. Thank you all for your kind words. And I just want to echo what Sergeant Krause and Sergeant Smith said, Chief. Um, you are an inspiration just by the way that you care for us, the way that you lead, the way that you support. And it's like you, you never cease striving. You never cease striving to be better. And that's amazing to see and the command chief of Massachusetts. So thank you, chief, for this uh, opportunity yet again. And Sergeant Krause, Sergeant Smith, thank you for your kind words. I appreciate it. Well, uh, that wraps up another episode of Chevron's. Uh, join us next month where we'll have a couple more really outstanding guests. I'm not going to divulge who they are yet. And uh, have a wonderful Air National Guard day. <laughs>